Today we're talking about viral marketing. What is it? Where is it? Why is it viral? How does it impact us? I'm excited. We have some really interesting campaigns coming up. Thanks for listening. (laughs) (laughs) I bought a pair of shoes that I didn't need. The same ones I saw on my Instagram feed. My feet hurt real bad and my bank account's dry. I made a bad decision and I don't know why. Some people may say I blew it, but marketing made me do it. Welcome to another episode of Marketing Made Me Do It. I'm one of your hosts, Sydney Bingham. And I'm the other host, Sylvia. And we are a new podcast about marketing and how it connects to everyday life and our everyday decision making. Yep. And today's episode is about viral marketing. And before we get into that, though, I'm going to start by talking about what marketing made me do. And I have to start by giving props to HelloFresh. Not sponsored, by the way. Maybe one day we'll be sponsored. (laughs) One day. One day. I'm a HelloFresh member, but I'm one of those who I like. I have it for three months. I cancel because I know they're going to give me a bunch of free boxes. And then I start it again for three months and then I cancel. So I'm playing the system, the HelloFresh system. Nice. But recently they've been giving uh, gifts, like gifts with purchases. So they're sending like little freebie things along with my boxes. They've done that the last couple of weeks. So this past Past, past, two weeks ago, they sent us Noom yogurt. Have huh. you heard of Noom yogurt? No, I only know the Noom app. Oh, yeah. It's just a yogurt. It's a Greek <laughs> yogurt, I think. And it has blueberries. And um, they sent so a free yogurt container plus like a coupon. And this last week, they sent this like weird brownie thing. I don't even know the brand. I just like, I was like, brownie. And I... <laughs> Pulled it out, ate it, didn't look at the packaging. Yeah. It wasn't that good, though. It was like a protein brownie, I feel like. Gotcha. So didn't hit the spot, but it made me think of this marketing concept since we talked about scarcity in our last episode. Scarcity is one of Robert Cialdini's seven principles of influence. Another one is reciprocity. So the idea of, I'm going to give you this free thing, and you're going to be more likely to purchase from me because you feel that you owe me back. And so every time I get a gift with purchase, I think of that, that concept. But for some people, it does give them that like sense of, ooh, I feel like I owe them something now. Maybe I owe them buying another $75 HelloFresh box, or I owe them to use my coupon for Noom that they gave. I think it's an interesting way for brands to get out there is through that brand partnership as well. Mm-hmm. But that re- reciprocity didn't get me. I didn't like the yogurt that much. No, I was no. going to ask. It's cool to get something free. Maybe next time, HelloFresh. Maybe next time. Yeah. (laughs) So, Sylvia, what is your marketing made me do it this week? So, mine is thanks to you, actually. You have referred it to me. You have given me the chance to try it and make me fall in love. It's a coffee creamer Hmm. called, uh, it's from Califia Farms. It's a cinnamon roll oat milk coffee creamer. And if you know me, you know that I drink my coffee either completely black without any creamer or sugar whatsoever and or I go to Starbucks. So yeah, this is uh, something that I'm currently on the lookout everywhere uh, because I can't find it at Safeway every time I'm shopping um, at Safeway or, you know, any other grocery store that we have in town. I have not been able to find it just yet, but uh, it's top of mind, let me tell you. (laughs) 
Whole Foods has it. <laughs> and I'm going to Sam's Club soon, and they've had like the big container of that, so I'll look for you. Oh, thanks. I got you. I'm glad I was able to influence you in that decision. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, um, yeah, my, my blood sugar probably doesn't thank you, but you know. <laughs> Have you tried it by itself? It's so gross. It's so sweet and like syrupy. It's so gross by itself. It makes you think like, what is in this actually? But you know, if you like the cinnamon vibes, it's it's good in a coffee. Totally. Do. That, just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> and that's a good segue into our episode today, which is viral marketing. So what does it mean when, when something goes viral? When we're tracking analytics for like social media, what is a viral campaign is something that generates between 250,000 to 1 million views. But that's kind of under the assumption that everything that goes viral happens in the digital landscape. Mm. And in reality, most things that go viral happen through something like word of mouth, like what you just said. So this coffee creamer, you might start to see it on the shelves as I'm talking to more and more people about it. (laughs) And me too. (laughs) Yeah. We're talking to this whole podcast. And so I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions is that something goes viral online because Mm -hmm. we hear that trend all the time of like this viral TikTok, this viral video on YouTube. But in reality, things can go viral without needing to be in that digital landscape. That makes a lot of sense. The word viral kind of has that negative connotation. And before there was the internet, there was still the word viral, and it meant the spreading of viruses or diseases. That's my own definition. I didn't look that up. I I felt like I'm confident enough. I was like, that's so smart. (laughs) That's my own definition. You know, that's where you have the flu, and then you go to school, and then now three kids have the flu, and those three kids turn into seven, who turn into 20, who turn into a pandemic in your neighborhood. So. That's the original definition of viral is something that's contagious, something that spreads quickly Mm -hmm. like a wildfire. The biggest place where something goes viral is through that word of mouth, person to person response. So word of mouth is the primary factor between 20% and 50% of all purchasing decisions and all viral behavior. And so we have a great example. You have a great example for word of mouth of viral word of mouth what would you call it? It's not a campaign. It's not a campaign. It's I think it's just a an, an introduction of a new product into the market. It's the cronut. For those that don't know, it's a merging of a donut and a croissant. And it's interesting. I had one so far. And Me too. Yeah, didn't we have it at the same place? We yeah. did. We did. <laughs> but I think the reason why I was like, meh, was just the, the other flavoring, the cream mm-hmm. around it, um, not just the the texture. The texture was actually quite nice. So yeah, this is a great example of how, you know, somebody invented something new based on his passion. I'm talking about uh, pastry chef Dominic Ansel, Ansel, however you want to pronounce him. (laughs) Um, He's French-born, a New York-based baker, and he owns a bakery in New York. And he's not a donut aficionado, but Mm -hmm. croissants have always been his thing growing up. and so. When somebody was pointing out that he didn't have donuts on his menu, he was being inventive and merged the two together. And the process took him about three months to find the perfect combination and the perfect process to create these cronuts. It took him about 10 variations, and he really only gained steam after, I mean, he introduced it in New York, but after a local food blogger 
found the cronut, tried it, really liked it, and put it on their on their blog. After the food blogger, which is for Grub Street, it's a, a New York food blog. After they tried the cronut, documented the experience, his website just boomed. Like he, he had a 300% increase in website traffic. All of a sudden, 100 people would line up, more than 100 people would line up in front of his uh, bakery to try the cronut because everybody wants a, a mm-hmm. piece of that. However, because of his capacity and quality of food that he also wanted to put out, he really can only make up to 350 cronuts per day. Um, and actually, the process of making a cronut for him is taking three days. So staggered, and he can't like just increase the production because mm-hmm. of demand. And so also going kind of into that scarcity element that we talked about in our last main episode... The cronut from Dominic, Dominique, is scarce because he only can make 350 cronuts a day. Now, you can imagine in New York, you have several million people that live in New York. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not everybody can have a cronut. And so he really grew unexpectedly because of that word of mouth. Granted, it was digital, but still an ex- a perfect example of word of mouth viral marketing. Yeah, and I I remember hearing about the Corona, and it wasn't through like an ad campaign, but when they first started being big, and when he he was getting lines around the store, it was something that we wanted to talk about about with one another. Like, oh my gosh, did you hear about the Corona? It's a croissant plus donut combo, and like you want to be the first person to tell your friend about it. According to Nielsen study, 88% of consumers said that they trust recommendations from people that they know above all other forms of marketing. So that just kind of shows you the power of this word of mouth advertising and sharing brands with friends and family. And those 12% who don't fall in that category don't trust their friends. <laughs> yeah. And to the point of like people were lining up, they're still lining up. Let me tell you, wow. they're still... They're still lining up in front of his bakery. He has expanded his bakeries. I think he's now expanded to a, com- a couple of um, other countries. So, I mean, this uh, word of mouth did him some amazing opportunities. And we're on the other side of the United States. We're on the West Coast, and cronuts are everywhere now. They're even in Flagstaff. I still do. I still want to try one of his, though, and compare. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Like, if French yeah. croissant is not the same of the croissants that you buy here at, at Safeway or even the baguettes, for instance. Like, it's mm-hmm. not exactly the same. And so I'd love to compare his cronut to the OG cronut, if you will. The original. To, yep. Yeah. If you've had a cronut, let us know. How do you like it? Tag us in your cronut photos. Oh, man. Yes. Make us jealous. <laughs> <laughs> so... Your campaign that you gave us an example of viral marketing that was pretty much word of mouth. And you mentioned a blogger talked about it, but people were talking about it naturally. Nobody was being paid to talk about it as far as we know. So my example of a viral campaign is kind of the flip side of that, where I want to talk about how marketing companies and agencies try to generate virality through their marketing campaigns. And so one of the ways that marketing companies try to do that is they try to like catch fire pretty quickly by using what's called content seeding. Have mm-hmm. you heard of content seeding before? I have heard of content seeding, but probably only because I'm in marketing. <laughs> yeah. So if you haven't heard of content seeding, I've never heard of it described as this, but you've seen it before. And what it is, is it's a marketing strategy where content creators 
plan to brand content across their various channels and they're paid to do that. And so uh, basically these days you'll see it in the form of like a sponsored post. So it's something where a brand is exchanging goods, services, or money with a creator to get them to post about them. So one of the more controversial uses of content seeding in the last five years probably has been the Firefest, which you and I got to watch a, a documentary about that recently. So it's top of my mind, even though it was a bunch of years ago. And they did a really good job. The marketing agency, I feel like, kind of deserves props for this campaign because the campaign was brilliant. The follow through of Firefest wasn't. To give you some background information on Firefest, there's a Netflix documentary you should watch. It's like an hour and a half and it goes through the whole thing it's from a marketing perspective too, which was really fun for us. Yeah. For sure. And so it's basically a festival that was created by Ja Rule and Billy McFarland. And it was designed to be this like prestige, exclusive, expensive experience for beautiful people in a beautiful setting in the Bahamas. And so the marketing showed models and actresses and influencers and all of that. And the follow through was really where the ball was totally dropped where Mm -hmm. it's on an island in the Bahamas that's not so attractive. They have relief tents for (laughs) first. It looked terrible. It looked terrible. They had like cheese sandwiches. Nothing was organized. No one knew where to go. The marketing campaign brought a lot of people to this event and then it it was just a disaster. So what why was the marketing campaign? What did they do? How did they use content seeding? They brought on more than 400 influencers on social media who all had huge social media followings to publish promo videos and photos. And so one thing that they did was a strategically timed campaign where all of these influencers just posted like an orange box. And so if you're following these influencers or multiple, you would just see orange blocks on your feed. Kendall Jenner was one of the influencers that they chose to be a part of the campaign. She was paid $275,000 to promote the festival overall. Wow. And she kind of got into some some hot water. I mean, I think the influencers promoting this event did get into hot water, number one, because a lot of them weren't using any language to clarify that they, they were being given anything in return, whether it's money or in kind, like room and board for the festival. And so they weren't using the promoted or sponsored or ad language, mm-hmm. which is the FTC rule. There is an FTC rule that requires that that you share when you're getting some sort of incentive to post about that which is fair right because transparency and you want to be clear to your followers that you're getting money for something and not just Mm -hmm. promoting something because you really like it yeah and it's actually you know brought into the question of are these influencers responsible for putting people in a situation that could have been dangerous that was expensive that was confusing that could have caused a lot of that did cause a lot of stress. So how, how accountable should we be holding an influencer to knowing more about the product or service that they're promoting? Mm-hmm. And That's a good question. In this case, Kendall Jenner, she did pay $90,000 to settle a lawsuit against her because she didn't put that disclaimer of it was an ad. Um, but she kind of stands by, behind her decision to partner with Fire Festival and said, you know, she likes to do her due diligence. However, in this case, she didn't have a lot of information to go with. Yeah. And I think that was the tricky part, especially with the Fire Festival is like they put the cart in front of the horse, right? They mm-hmm. started promoting without even having the logistics figured out and all the, the plans really dialed in. Yeah. And so obviously from a marketing perspective, it's a smart idea to have something go viral, right? As you get 
people who have between them millions of followers, and you get them all to post about this thing so that you can quickly have the reshares and comments and get people to engage with what, what's happening on a large scale. So it's a smart marketing tactic, but it is a tactic trying to make something go viral through using people who are just very connected socially. Yeah, it's creating that buzz, right? Mm-hmm. The buzz for something that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, and it's like the buzz for something that may or may not be good. They just have a huge marketing budget. So it's not an organic approach to viral marketing in a viral campaign. It's like a we're going to put in thousands and thousands of dollars to try to generate this buzz. Yeah, yeah you guys should really watch that Netflix documentary. It was pretty, pretty scary, actually. Stressful. Stressful, yes, especially if you're a marketer. It's- so that's an example of a well-executed marketing and content seeding campaign that didn't go as expected. Bummer. So what's up next for viral marketing? For viral marketing, this also is a combination, I would say, of word of mouth and incentivizing people. And so um, what I'd like to talk about is Dropbox. I don't know if you're familiar with Dropbox, if you've used Dropbox at all. Yes, by necessity. By necessity. By when people send me Dropbox things. And I'm like, okay, let me figure out what my password is and I'm going to log in. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I definitely jumped on the Dropbox train um, several years ago. It it was just also by necessity from school. Um, In my high school time and early college time, Dropbox was the thing that we used to share files, obviously. And one of the things that Dropbox has done really brilliantly is they figured out a referral program that really connects with people. They offer a benefit of extra storage to someone who already has a Dropbox account and shares it with their friend, coworker, family, whoever, and invites them to also create a Dropbox Mm -hmm. account. But not only do they get extra storage, the person that is signing up is also getting extra storage. So it is a benefit benefit situation. And with that approach, they just have seen an incredible increase in signups. So just to give you an idea, the source is Viral Loops. In September of 2008, they had 100,000 registered users. In December 2009, they had 4 million registered users. So between 2008 and 2010, they've seen a 3,900% user growth within 15 months. Now, September 2017, this is the latest um, stat that I was able to find. They have 33.9 million registered users. And so, yeah, this, again, is a really great example also of word of mouth, right? Because you are kind of telling your friends and family to sign up. And because you use it, they think it might make sense. They see that added benefit. They use it. And whoops, they have all the... Users. (laughs) Users. <laughs> You're like incentivizing them to sign up. Like, exactly. hey, you want to help me? I want to help you. Let's help each other. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Both parties benefit. It's not only one person benefiting, you know, from signing up. And so, I mean, there are a lot of other companies out there that do have a similar program. I think PayPal has something similar. I read that Tesla is something similar. I don't know because I don't drive a Tesla and I've never been invited to, to drive one. <laughs> yep. Yep. Same. 
book of the month is one we talked about on one of, I think our last episode is, it was your marketing made me do an example. And that was, that was kind of the, you were like, I want to read more. And I was like, well, if you use my code, you get a free book. I get a free book. We both get free books. Let's do this. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Perfect example. So yeah, well done, Dropbox. Way to go uh, viral through incentive. What are we talking about next in terms of viral marketing? So next, we're going to talk about a more recent viral marketing campaign that you may or may not have heard of, and that is the McDonald's Grimace Shake. This was one of, in my opinion, one of the more fun and unexpected viral trends. Have you heard about this one? We shared it on our Instagram. So if you've been following us. We did? Yes, on our story. <laughs> so you have heard of it. And so this was in June, July of this past year. Um, it's this Grimace shake trend. Who's Grimace? Yeah. So I had never heard Grimace of Grimace until June of this past year. Had you? Same. No, I thought it was always Ronald McDonald. <laughs> yeah. It's no idea. But all of a sudden, and this is what made me curious about it, is like everyone was talking about Grimace. And I was like, who is Grimace? You know, mm-hmm. like I never have heard of this person. And I feel like that's a sign of a viral marketing campaign is like when all of a sudden this new word is common and everyone's using it and you're like, I've never heard this in my yeah. life. Have I been under a rock? <laughs> yeah. Like what's going on? But it's like, it's like the threads thing. It's like everyone's using it now as the day-to-day part of their language. So that's what happened to me with me and Grimace where everyone's just talking about it. I'm seeing that it's trending. So it caused me to do a little bit more digging. And so McDonald's had this marketing campaign that was supposed to be like nostalgic. And so Grimace is like this purple monster looking character. He looks a little spooky if you don't like human humans in costumes. <laughs> He's a little spooky, but he has a happy smile, you know, big plastic eyes and just fuzzy, furry. And he did like a takeover on McDonald's social media profiles as Grimace. And he's like the, the cookie monster just in purple. He, yeah, he looks like the cookie monster, but purple. But I guess he's been in the McDonald's cast of characters for a long time. And now they're doing this nostalgic, like, let's promote this cast. And so they promoted his birthday. And they did that with a special meal, which included the Grimace shake. And that was like the extent of the social media campaign is like Grimace birthday, Grimace takeover, Grimace food. and. The twist on this, what I really loved, is when users took this Grimace character and they went in a completely different direction with it. So what is the Grimace shake trend? Yeah, what did they do? The Grimace shake trend, we'll post about this on Instagram, we'll post a video, but let's let's see if I can recreate it for you in, (laughs) in front of these mics. Yes. It's basically you see someone happy, you know, an influencer, whenever they're holding that purple Grimace shake and they're like, Hey, I'm at McDonald's and I'm so excited to be trying this Grimace shake. Happy birthday, Grimace. And then they take a sip of the shake and then the video cuts to a scene where they're like on the floor spasming and there's like vomit that's purple oozing out of their mouths and it's a horror scene. And so the music changes, it gets all spooky. Um, And so that's the Grimace shake trend. So if you Google it, you'll see there's just so many takes on this, but it's always like the, hey, I'm trying the Grimace shake. And then catastrophe happens and there's purple vomit and stuff everywhere and Goodness. yeah so it's hor- horror themed a uh, horror themed campaign that mcdonald's did not intend to happen when they launched this grimace nostalgic birthday thing it was originally launched by tiktoker austin fraser at the frazmaz on tiktok 
And he's not like a major influencer. Like looking at his numbers, I would say maybe a micro influencer at best. Mm-hmm. So not it's not like Kim Kardashian is starting off this this huge TikTok trend. But I think it was unique and fun that it was and it was easy to replicate, easy to make one of those. We should make one of those videos for our Instagram. <laughs> I don't think they're still I don't think they sell it anymore. No. We just do it with a regular shake and purple food dye. <laughs> but it was easy to replicate. And the result was it had some really positive impacts on McDonald's numbers. So their Q2 2023 sales growth was in the double digits between 10 to 13 percent. And it was attributed to Grimace's birthday campaign. However, I would argue that it is because of the horror trend campaign. <laughs> so the social media manager of McDonald's released a statement on Twitter and LinkedIn about this viral campaign. And here's what he had to say. He said, if you think we planted the Grimace shake trend, thank you so much. But you think way too highly of us. This was a level of genius, creativity, or, and organic fun that I could never dream about or plan for. It was all from the fans and the fans only. And the initial spark came from Austin Fraser. Our only responsibility, in quotes, in helping the trend happen was giving the tools to play with, reintroducing Grimace, the shake, and going all in in letting the character take over our, our accounts. So they're not acknowledging that they had anything to do with this horror trend. That's amazing. Uh, but more so, they shared that they weren't even sure if they should respond officially and publicly mm-hmm. to this trend because it was pretty off brand for what they were going for. For McDonald's, yeah. Yeah, so he has a whole paragraph talking about, well, what what should we do? And he said his first text to the team and agencies was, not sure if we should jump in. They eventually did release a post that was a photo of Grimace, the character, and it was me pretending not to see the viral shake trend is what it oh, said. So it was kind cute. of cute. So they yeah. played upon it, but it wasn't the original intention. He also released some information about the stats, the impact that this campaign has had. And he said it, it reached billions of people and there were millions of engagement and millions of mentioned. It was the top trending on Twitter at least eight different days. Dang. It was the top three hashtags on TikTok and trended on Snapchat for multiple days. And he said, more importantly, so many internal teams, agencies, and fans genuinely loving Grimace and having fun. So just that interaction was huge. So it was a huge campaign. It was definitely trending. It was trending on Google as well Mm -hmm. during the time. And it resulted in sales. So why I feel like this is really interesting is nobody was paid to give McDonald's thousands and thousands of dollars if not millions of dollars, of free marketing, which not like McDonald's needs it. No, let's like, be real. <laughs> they don't need it, but, but it was free to them. So it was just this, this brilliant thing that resulted in huge sales wins and just completely generated by users. And so wow, user-generated campaign that really helped a brand that didn't need help. <laughs> lucky McDonald's. Way to talk about a lucky campaign that just happened because of somebody being very creative. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. We have one more example of, of a viral trend that you might notice on your day-to-day, and that is engineered or cause-based viral. Yeah, and um, I, I love the campaign that we're introducing on this one, which is Tom's, um, the shoe brand. I don't know if you're familiar with them. I wore them for like 10 years, and that was the only shoe that I wore. I love Tom's. Yeah. I love their designs. They're very comfortable. But... 
why we're talking about this one being engineered as well as cause-based is because Tom's really is looking to do a to do something good, right, for people and not only for their company and their revenue and their team members. And it's engineered because they really put a strategy behind this campaign. The campaign I'm talking about is from 2015 called One Day Without Shoes. And we'll try and share the video. It's uh, if you haven't seen it. It's very it's very heartfelt where um essentially they're asking people to go one day without shoes and to snap a picture of them in any situation mm-hmm. barefoot to then add a hashtag to it and for every hashtag or every curated content piece they then would donate a pair of shoes to a person that can't afford it wow and so it's super super heartfelt and cause-based obviously because they want to help people and communities that just don't have the money to wear shoes and then also I think raise awareness for those that don't know what it's like to have to go barefoot, you know, mm-hmm. one day. And so asking people to just go barefoot and experience what that's like, I think is a big ask, but at the same time, I think it's a reasonable ask. And so it was, yeah, <laughs> I'm almost tearing up when I'm talking about this. I just loved their idea. So the participation was also incredible. Like they had people from over 30 countries participating in this viral Mm -hmm. campaign, resulting in over 295,000 children receiving a pair of shoes from Tom's. And so from a, from a social perspective, from a digital viral campaign perspective, they had over 338,000 people take photos of their bare feet and add the hashtag without shoes to participate in this viral campaign. And so I really love this. These stats come from Shorty Awards. And I, yeah, I think it's extremely powerful. And a lot of other companies can definitely take an example from Tom's and, you know, maybe recreate something similar which may not guarantee people participating, but this is a really great example of an engineered, cause-based viral campaign. And I feel like there is that word of mouth element as well, because they're asking to share, you know, to their followers a photo with a hashtag, and so more and more people can jump in and dive onto the trend, and it's for a social cause. Exactly. So next we want to talk about the advantages and disadvantages of viral trends. So one of the advantages is trends can be fun. I had so much fun watching a lot of those Grimace TikToks. It was just, it was (laughs) cracking me up, making me laugh. It can be fun to absorb and like, you know, relate to that content, but also to create that content I think can be a lot of fun and can like stretch your creativity. Oh, totally. I agree with that. And it kind of takes you out of your day-to-day, right? And kind of puts you in a different situation. Mm -hmm. by watching these videos and so the next one is sometimes viral trends can contain valuable information so things that it's important to know Mm -hmm. that can help educate us as a society the final advantage is i do think it gives us all a sense of connection you know we're all absorbing similar media at the same time so the grimace shake trend again is another good example of just 
you know, we were all watching those videos. We were all enjoying them. They were trending. And it was something that we could talk about with one another. Same thing with the Tom's shoe example. Mm -hmm. You know, if you could talk to your friend about why you posted that photo of your bare feet and what that meant to you and have those conversations and those points of connection. Totally. And I want to throw in one more campaign real quick, which is Dove, the um, You Are More Beautiful Than You Think campaign. I don't know if you... remember (laughs) you do um it's for those that don't know uh which campaign that is it is essentially a police sketch artist he's essentially drawing based on somebody explaining features to him and so women had described themselves to him and then they interacted with other people and then he had these other people explain these women to him as well and so he created two sketches based on the personal perception and then based on the public perception and they were different just how they came out and that was I felt like such a relatable campaign because it made a lot of women realize that they're not alone in being very hard on themselves compared to how others actually view them and see them and so that is yeah a great example of a, a positive viral campaign and the advantages that it can have fostering that sense of connection Yeah, that's a great one. That's a great campaign. We should post a video of that on our stories. So those are the advantages that we came up with. Um, Let's get into the disadvantages. There are some disadvantages to things going viral. The first one that really popped into my mind is viral campaigns creates like this homogenous society where we're all absorbing the same things and we're all listening to the same things. And specifically what I'm thinking about when I talk about this is as marketers, we're all trying to use viral music. And Mm -hmm. so we're using the same music. We're hearing the same music. I'm learning new songs based on what songs are trending. And I feel like it just makes everyone the same. (laughs) We're all all doing the same thing. And it's not really because, you know, the art is there, the quality is there. It's because, well, the algorithm wants me to do this. So I'm going to do this. Yeah. And it gets tiring, right? Like after you hear the same song 20 times in your yeah. story or when you're um, scrolling through reels, like you can't hear it anymore. You're you're over it. And so you might be missing out on some actual real creative videos. And so and specifically for content creators as well is like they spot that one trend, like the Grimace shake, and then now everyone's doing it mm-hmm. and just trying to replicate the success of that initial approach. And again, it just, I think it stifles some potential creativity and people being individuals and thinking on their own and gives us just this one perspective of society, which is what's viral right now. Yeah. Agreed. I also think being on trend can be really dangerous without just a proper due diligence and research. And an example that I have was there was a a woman... Um, And out of respect to her and her family, I'm not using her name, but a woman in Indiana um, died this week from drinking too much water. Mm. And I feel like to a lot of us, that's really surprising. Like, well, you can die from drinking water. Isn't that supposed to be good for you? I mean, all of these water bottles are so popular. There's diets that say you should drink X amount of water a day. Drinking water is always perceived as being healthy. I feel like it is kind of trending right now. And so to think that you could, you know, cause damage to your body or even die because you're drinking water because you're jumping on this trend of I'm going to be so healthy I'm going to drink so much water that's damaging that messaging that water is healthy you should drink a lot of it that messaging is damaging and that's again something I've kind of found that's trending lately is we all have our water bottles some of us set timers and have our watches telling us when we (laughs) should drink water it's like a whole thing totally my mom had an app actually 
Yep. There's apps for that. Reminded her. Gotta drink some more water. Yeah. And and so being on trend can be dangerous. The fire Festival as well is another example. Um, there was during COVID the collodial silver that was thought to be the cure for COVID. And so people jumped on that trend of, oh, I'm going to cure COVID. I'm going to cure my COVID and not be at risk if I consume collodial silver. Gosh, but I it's heard anything. the bleach thing too. The bleach. Oh gosh, the bleach thing. Or the dishwasher tablet thing. Oh gosh. Yeah. So some of these trends can be very harmful physically and emotionally. And so some of the influencers, there was an influencer who passed away last week as well, who was a raw vegan food chef. And that was like her diet. And she actually died of starvation. And so be careful before jumping on one of these trends. Yeah. I think diet is something to check in maybe with your doctor before jumping on a new trend diet, because they can be very dangerous, especially mm-hmm. if the people promoting them don't have a background in health. Absolutely. Uh, the final, the final disadvantage, which I've just started to look out on a personal level, is social media algorithms are hijacking our emotions. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason they're doing that is to increase consumption. They want people to be on the social media platforms, whichever is your preferred. They want you to be on there longer, to consume more, to see more ads, to get paid more mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And so in showing us recommended topics that are making us happy, sad, or mad, they're putting us into a state of this, like, in, at least me, into a state of anxiety where I'm just like crying one moment, laughing the next and furious <laughs> the next. And so I just feel like be careful of those algorithms trying to show you this viral content. And essentially, they're just trying to get you to consume more. I also think from a pro- like production or producer or content creator perspective, it's one thing to keep in mind is it's really hard to go viral. Even if you see it every day in your feed and you feel like, oh my gosh, these had like, you know, 200,000 views or a million views or whatever, um, it's really, really hard to go viral and the algorithm doesn't help you in any way, especially if you're just reproducing something that somebody else has already produced. So you always have to be up on your toes. You always have to find that niche. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure to want to go viral. And often what I've heard from, from brands is like, the post I spent the least amount of time creating is the one that's done the best. Yeah. So you don't really know what to expect. And like we said at the beginning, there's not a formula for success for this. People make the assumption that because something goes viral, it means that a lot of money is being made. And something we didn't really touch on in the episode, in the case of the McDonald's shake, they made a lot more money because someone had to buy the shake in order to do the video. Mm-hmm. However, in a lot of cases, just because your video, your post goes viral doesn't mean you know, if you're a brand that you're necessarily going to sell more or make more, it depends on who's engaging and saying that and, you know, what their disposable income is. And so as a brand, you know, that's not the assumption you should make. I'm going to go viral and then make a lot of money. However, you know, to talk about the incentive of a viral campaign from a content creator, content creators are paid sometimes a lot of money from these social media platforms because their their content has so many hits and views. Right. So, yeah. So when thinking about the intention behind viral marketing and viral trends, sometimes the intention literally is like, I need to make money doing Mm -hmm. this. As far as takeaways go, we have two key takeaways. The first one is do your research because sometimes these viral trends that everyone's jumping on aren't always the best thing for you at that moment, whether it's financially, physically, 
for your mental health. Sometimes viral trends can be dangerous. They can be unhelpful to you. So just do your research first and be aware of what you're participating in. Don't eat that dishwasher tablet. You know it's not good for you. (laughs) Yes, do not do that. Um, It cannot be healthy. Um, The second takeaway really is just to be authentic. Stay true to who you are, what you believe in, and share what makes sense to you. And don't just share what everybody else is sharing and then yeah I don't know it's not it's not aligning with you personally and value-based so just yeah weed the things out that are just silly and just be authentic just be authentic just be authentic you don't have to jump on the latest trends just because everyone else is doing it well okay. and the chances are that you're going to succeed if you really are going after viral videos and want to be the next you know trendsetter or whatever the chances are much higher that you can succeed with that when you're authentic in yourself and create something that comes from you versus just jumping on those other trains and what is that brilliant quote you used in the first episode i feel like that applies right here it's kind of the brand persona Oh, Oscar Wilde's? Yeah. Um, How does that go again? (laughs) Just be you. Just be you. Everybody else is already taken. There you go. That's a great way to conclude our episode. What are we talking about next time? (laughs) Yeah, next time we are talking about questionable rebrands or repositions of brands, as well as some success stories. I'm excited to dive in. There's definitely some examples that we just mentioned in our latest mini episode. With uh, Twitter changing to X, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it probably a little bit more. We'll see if we've gotten a little bit more news since the last episode. But that's going to be your topic is questionable rebrands. That sounds fun. <laughs> I've already got a, a few in mind, and I actually saw one today. Oh, really? No spoilers. No spoilers. Oh, fair. All right. Well, that's our episode today. It was a fun one to talk about all of these campaigns and I can't wait to to see what brands we bring to the table next week. Um help make us go viral by <laughs> liking this and reviewing it wherever you get your podcast and also by following the conversation on Instagram. We're just about 250,000 followers away from being micro influencers. Yeah. So, <laughs> we could use your help getting there. <laughs> so yeah, you heard Sydney. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Marketing Made Me Do It. Join the conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And yeah, don't forget to tune in next Thursday for our next mini episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Show me. Okay, that's his name. Guayame. Guayame. So social media manager, going to butcher his name, Guayame Hame. (laughs) (laughs) That is not his last name. I just went with your (laughs) name.